So we ended our last episode on a cliffhanger and I wanted to pick up from there. So we're, uh, we were touching on something so profound and so important. And Isa, you were talking about, you know, sexual healing, sexual integration, ways that we can raise awareness for ourselves, questions we can ask, ask ourselves regarding our sexuality and the type of sex we're having, the type of sex we're craving, the type of sex we may or may not be addicted to. And um, one of the questions that um, you had made us aware of was to ask ourselves, you know, am I harming anyone else? Am I, am I harming myself in, in how I'm going about this or um, what I'm desiring? And, and so my, my question at that point was, a lot of times I think that we might not want to ask ourselves those because those questions, because we don't want to know the answers. And I think it takes a lot of courage and actually love for ourselves to, to, to ask those questions because for a lot of us, the answers might be, yeah, I am kind of harming myself here, or I think maybe I might be harming somebody else as well. And for a, a lot of us, we might go into that cycle, that familiar cycle of maybe shame, maybe punishing ourselves, being mad at ourselves, going back into the guilt, and just continuing the entire cycle, which just keeps us split, right? Um, split in our, in our souls, split in our personalities, split in our relationships, split in our own sexuality. So, so my, my question at the end that we, we didn't get to was what if that is the answer? You know, what if I find myself asking those questions and thinking, wait, I think maybe I am harming myself. And how do, how do we not go into the, um, that cycle of, of like punishment and guilt and then maybe just continuing that? And then I think even Amalia had something to add to that, but. Yeah, well, just um, the addiction to the pain cycle. Like for those of us who've like had a lot of trauma, like how do we know it's pleasure or pain? Like I think that, that line gets really confusing. Um, some of us are just really addicted to certain abuse. And that's even, and that's even something we could- Like a cross wire. <laughs> yeah, and even the different types of pain. I mean, um, there's actual pain, you know, whether it's bondage or choking or, um, the, and that's, there's a bunch of those types of pain. And there's the pain of, um, my gosh, there's so many types of pain. There's a pain of if you're in a relationship and they're involved with somebody else who doesn't know and you feel like you're inflicting pain on that person or, um, 
or the pain of um of of let's say okay people who try open relationships or threesomes or that they want to uh, the pain of watching your lover with somebody else yeah but like addiction to jealousy or addiction yeah yeah and then using that turn on to um to inspire the the other relationship or yeah all of these yeah i i have an example that i'll just be vulnerable and throw out there um this was a long long time ago uh in my 20s but i have this uh lover that i i he started grabbing my neck and i thought it was so exciting and so i kind of made him push harder to the point where he was like really choking me. And now if I asked that question, you, you said like, is this harming myself? I would have thought that, no, I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. And afterwards he ended up getting extremely angry at me because he said, why did you make me do that? Like, I, I feel so weird. Um, but yet for me, it was, it was an incredible experience. So how do we know how, like that gets confusing when you ask the question, right? It's really complex. Uh, you know, sexuality is, um, in my lineage, the shamanic Toltec lineage, um, there is no light act of sexuality. And what the shamans mean by that is that people often think that we can have casual sexual interchanges but the truth is, is that when we share sexual energy with another human, we are greatly affected by that deeply, even if there's not intercourse. And they are greatly affected by our energy because the energies enter the other person's, person's energy field and also their body. So to think there is a casual or an actual light sexual experience is not even possible. It is actually uh, deeply uh, affecting uh, people when they're engaging in any kind of sexual energy. And it's really important to know who's in your energy field and what you're taking on and what you're sharing and what you're processing because it can affect your life. So that's just one thing I wanna bring into the conversation and I'll, I'll answer the questions. And the second thing is, is that you know, sexuality is also our place of the deepest triggers of shame. You know, the root chakra rules and the second chakra rule our sexuality. And they are also the deepest places where people store shame. And everyone has a level of shame of what I mean by that is of feeling as if something's wrong with them. They're not enough. They might be feel broken. And so when we ask ourselves these questions, are we harming someone in our sharing of sexual energy? And are we harming ourselves? If the answer, Satya, you asked this, if the answer is say yes, you know, that, you, that someone has realized they're harming someone or themselves, the first thing to acknowledge is, first of all, how much courage that takes for you to even ask yourself that. And I would recommend a sitting. And even if you take your hands on your body for that moment and give yourself total love and compassion and just take a moment, if this ever were to arise, 
and let yourself know like, wow, you know, probably, you know, the person hasn't done this intentionally. We know some people do, but we're, we're right now attending to a generalized question, right? And you give yourself compassion and you take time then to be with that place. So let's say if you're in the middle of a sexual act, then you would want to pause with your lover and you would want to say, Hey, hang on. I'm a little off here. Something's happening. Let's breathe. Let's hold each other. Let's be for a moment. I'm not in the right place yet. You know, that we, that we bring back in presence and awareness into these moments. And if you're not in the act and you're just by yourself and you're having awareness, that you take time to be gentle with yourself and literally give yourself kindness and compassion. Sitting, breathing, holding yourself, reminding yourself you've done nothing wrong. You've done what you were taught. You've done what you learned. This is not your fault. And we're going to work through this. We're going to work with it. And you know, and you just take this time and sometimes just the awareness and the compassion, not sometimes, it actually is enough to transform these places with patience. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, I'm, I, I have noticed in doing that myself, um, that just the intention, just the bringing the conscious awareness to everything that I'm doing, like, is this what I want? Is this really uh, what I need? Is this healthy for myself? Um, I've been asking myself, is it healthy? Mm -hmm. um, because I find that there's some deviances from mm -hmm. my past experiences. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up again. I wanted to answer your question about how do we know when we're drawn to something that might be edgy or painful? How does a person know? Is this really harming me? And so what I want to say about that is that often in sexuality, because it is a land of polarities between people, um, it, it contrasts. It is a place of play. It is a place of love that we can all have, you know, such different preferences. And I just want to remind people that there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to be, um, let's use the example of submission, you know, wanting to be choked or held down or spanked or, uh, restrained in some form as long as it hasn't reached a level where you're literally harming your physical body or an aspect of your psyche. Let's say if this were happening because there were ch it was a child part that was running you that remembered being abused like this, then you would want to get really curious about how much of this is just what you like and how much of it is repeating what you're conditioned to experience where you were abused and had pleasure at the same time. And that is very confusing to have an orgasm while you're being raped 
which happens all the time. It happened to me as a child all the time. The body responds. The body, heinous, violent sexual things can be done to a body while there is stimulation and the body can have also simultaneous pleasure and orgasm. This is not your fault. This doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. This is natural and it happens all the time. So what we have to discern as we get older is if we're drawn to pain in order to have pleasure, we have to start discerning that very delicately, how much is okay. And often it's sort of, I would call the middle road, where you wanna make sure that you are not harming yourself or another person or your own body or keeping yourself entranced in younger parts of yourself. And that is a process and definitely takes time and awareness and sometimes professional support. Oh, okay. So keeping yourself entranced as a, can you tell me more about that? Because yeah. that, I think I've seen that quite a bit. Yeah. Thank you for asking that Satya, because I meant to define how I'm using the word trance. So I'm using the word trance as the way I see it is that people go into trance states all day long. We have a shopping trance. We have an eating too much trance. We have a stay busy so I don't feel too many emotions trance. <laughs> you know, there are multiple trances that humans go into daily. And what they are is they're when we get hijacked or taken over by a group of selves or a part of self of our psyche that has a particular pattern. And it's not our higher self, it's not our core, it's not that all-knowing, wise, centered place. It's a way that we've learned to cope, a way that we've learned to get through life and be as intact as possible. And so it's really important to start to understand what a trance is. So a trance, when you're in a trance, things get really narrow you can only kind of see or pay attention to like what's happening in you. Like you're caught in this thought stream and this strong feeling. You're not usually aware of your surroundings, like the room you're in. I, I often tell people to get out of a trance. You just take a moment and you feel your body and then you take your eyes and you locate yourself. You look around the room as I'm doing now and you notice and you say out loud, oh, I see the window. Okay, and you breathe. And this is a beautiful detransting mechanism I call orienting to your environment, which pulls you into expansive awareness. So you come out of a narrow, minimalized perception, which is a trance, and suddenly you can see the bigger picture. Now we go into these trances all the time around sexuality because it's the heavy, it's probably the heaviest conditioned area that we have, right? But you can use these, these simple orienting techniques, feeling the body, feeling your sensations spread through your body, feel your breath, 
You can even just take a moment and say, I'm not sure if I'm in a trance. I might be, and I want to come out. I want to come out into pure awareness and presence into all that I am. And you could just come out like that. I think so many people are like, get addicted to the trance state. No, I mean, it's, that's another sort of pleasure escape center, especially with sexuality, I've noticed. It is definitely a way to avoid feeling what you don't want to feel in reality or your emotional body. Absolutely. Yeah. I, sorry, Satya, did you want to jump No, in? go ahead. Well, I have another question, um, kind of piggybacking off of this. It's changing the topic slightly, but um, I'm thinking about all the people listening to this who've had a, some sort of abuse in their past and then wanting to heal and, and move on and find uh, maybe they've had a pattern of bad relations and they're wanting to find a healthier relationship. Um, that's most of the listeners of this podcast. And I'm curious what you could share with us, Isa, about, um, you know, for me, finding a partner who can handle the level of um, trauma or un can understand, because when I would be sexual with someone, sometimes I have flashbacks or I have trance states happen. And I've had partners in the past um, who weren't equipped, you know, they're not trauma counselors. So, um, you know, I know how to deal with someone who's in a trauma loop, but uh, a lot of people don't. And so I, I feel like there should be a guidebook for a partner who maybe hasn't had trauma or doesn't know how to, isn't a therapist and doesn't know how to deal with these states to, to give to the person who's dating someone or, or in a relationship with someone who, um, has had a lot of this kind of wounding, um, what would you say to the, the partner who's like holding space? Is there something you could share with us? Well, I first of all, I would say if you have been a traumatized person and you're looking for a partner, I would recommend that you go really slowly, that you get to know someone over time before becoming intimate, sexually intimate, or even too emotionally intimate, that you give it a process. You want to see this person, how they are under stress, generalized stress. You want to see them when they don't get what they want. Um, you want to see them in situations so that you can start to understand what their character is, what their capacity is. And if you are a person who's been severely traumatized, you know, ultimately it would be helpful to be with a partner who was pretty grounded and most likely didn't have too much trauma themselves. It could be very hard if two people come together who have very severe trauma. Now it can be workable, but it can also, it can also be, be difficult. Um, what I would say to the partner of, of someone, is that the question that you asked? Yeah. Um, is I would say that if you, if you're really in love with your partner and you're committed and you want to stay and they're important to you, um, it would be helpful to probably do a little bit of uh, reading on trauma or gathering a little bit of information about um, dissociation 
uh, fracturing or triggering uh, flashbacks as well, um, acting out. Um, and it would be important when your uh, traumatized partner is not triggered to have a conversation with them ahead of time about what helps them when they get what I call hijacked. And that means that they have a trigger has occurred and suddenly they are on a roll in a whole different way. They are feeling either scared or angry or freaked out or shaking or whatever the content is, they are not themselves, so to speak. And so the question the partner could ask is, when you're like that, what helps you? Do you want co physical contact? Do you want space? Do you want kind, comforting words? You know, do we have a code word like ice cream or something? And when I say that, you, it helps you realize, oh, I'm having a flashback. You know, these are some tools that, that you, the partner could utilize. There are many, but these are just, these are just a couple suggestions. Oh, that's so, so helpful, Lisa. I, I can't count how many times I've had like a, a kind of trauma response with a partner and, and they've been confused and sort of at a loss. And while I'm in the trigger, I'm sort of trying to um, assist them in dealing with me, which doesn't really work. I'm sort of like, I really need just to hold me and uh, breathe with me or... Um, please don't leave right now because if you walk out the door, if they get triggered from my trigger, it would spiral. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm so aware that I would be like, okay, they're triggered now from my trigger, and but but it doesn't help, right? Like the the process has to complete itself. And I I always want I feel like um, I think many of us who've had a lot of abuse feel kind of like broken or it's, it's hard for us to be in. Um, long-term relationships or we don't feel that we have the capacity to choose healthy relationships because of, of the patterning or we need like a handbook with us and so we have to go through that whole process of feeling even worthy enough to be loved in a healthy um, way right if, if we have a that kind of imprint so yeah, this is very, very helpful. Yeah, I want to just add, um, if you have been severely traumatized in your life, be really mindful and protective of yourself when choosing a partner. I don't mean in any way to not trust people who are appropriate, but really take your time and prioritize yourself and take care of yourself. You know, I'm speaking to the, the masses. Um, and I also want to recommend that if you, the listener, has a connection to the divine uh, or to a great mystery or some higher force, really call that in. Utilize daily the power of your asking, the universe, please help me. Please help me find a partner, be in relationships that are healthy, help me to heal this past conditioning and imprinting. And um, it's amazing the level of assistance that we each have from the invisible realms, the guides that work with each person and the divine. It is the most powerful force and it saved my life. And it is how I survived 
my history and turned it into gold really is really through the power of grace and the power of the divine. So just wanting to remind people of, of their special power with that, their superpower help. It's key. It's so key. It has also saved my life. I can't um, say that importance of that enough, just that connection to the divine. One thing um, that helped me also, just to add to your list, um, taking the time for sure was a big part for me of healing. Um, but also um, I found that because of the type of abuse I had was also secretive and hidden in the secrets that any relationship that required some form of secrecy was um, not okay. So if I wasn't able to to talk openly about my relationship with my friends, or if I found a tendency that I'm hiding it um, from friends, like I was hiding the fact that I had was dating someone, or if I was hiding the nature of the relationship or hiding something, you know, not, of course we need to like keep certain things sacred about our relationships and um, have appropriate boundaries and what we're sharing, but, um, I found that I, in order for me to really heal, I needed to make sure that um, this isn't someone that I couldn't introduce to my community or that I, you know, so I had to start seeing, because I would go from paranoia uh, of not trusting anyone to then trusting the wrong people. And so I had to find the, my way through that and getting people that I found are, are healthy, uh, mature people to to meet my partners before I made like a commitment and just sort of have them be present and get sort of a blessing on the relationship or, or just even on the dating um, was important for me and taking time like I, I've taken numbers of vows of celibacy even just to to clear some patterning and it's been such a long process so I know for those of you listening who've feel like maybe you've been through this again and again. It's a process. So how long did it take you, he said, before you felt like you could create um, healthy relationships? Wow. Um, I would say it took me 10 years to have uh, comfortable, pleasurable sexuality. It took me about 10 years. And it took me honestly about 30 years to heal trauma bonding in the last 30 years i have just uh started to heal the trauma bonding um because i didn't just have that with per many many perpetrators i had that with my mother my mother as well trauma bonding and uh there was just a lot of abuse uh, and mental illness um so yeah, about 30 years, I would say that it's an evolutionary process. It, it's like it's a like, lifetime, especially, it, yeah. It's yeah, yeah I, I really, um, gosh, I really honor you, respect you, appreciate you. I'm so grateful to you and both of you for uh, doing the work, you know, and, and of, um, the tenacity and the, that just that, that thirst to, to want to grow and, and heal and, you know, and, and just, just the not giving up on it. And I, I think, um, that's another way to, you know, it's another path of, of loving ourselves is, 
you know, at each stage, you know, we think we're going to heal something completely and then it's gone and we're perfect. And that's not how it works. And, uh, but, but that we don't give up that we love ourselves enough to pay attention. That is where the, you know, the, that's where we shine. That's where, that's where the light comes in. And so unfortunately we are at time, but that's okay because we're going to keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I actually had another quick question, but I don't know if it's quick, dare I say. Or should we leave it? Do we have five minutes? (laughs) Or should we do another cliffhanger? Uh Maybe we should do another cliffhanger. Okay, well, I'm just going to ask the question and then we can see. Okay. (laughs) The suspense builds. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I have to ask it while we have Issa here because we're going to hang up. And um, so here's the question. And I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday about attraction and, um, you know, people who are looking or dating, actively dating right now and looking for a partner. Um, what do you think is the primary, um, what are some of the things to look for and to, um, not necessarily pay attention to? So, so many women I know, and I was like this for a long time, you know, we're looking to be sort of swept off our feet or to feel some sort of strong attraction or to feel certain things. And in my experience, whenever I felt those things, it's turned out to be like big karma drama. Um, And so in my healing and part of my healing, I had to learn to uh, reattune my body to not um, be responsive or hyper responsive to certain uh, triggers. And I'm just curious if you have some advice to share with people who are dating right now, what to pay attention to and to not pay attention to. Absolutely. I've been working my whole life on refining this answer (laughs) and learning more. And I'm happy to say to you that um, I've come to some things actually in the last years. Um, I I would recommend if someone's looking for a life partner, uh, a solid partner, that I would ask yourself the question, how do you feel when you're around this person? Start noticing, do you feel lifted up? Do you feel calm? Do you feel energized? Or do you feel drained? Uh, Do you feel criticized? Do you feel put down or made small? Um, I would ask and look for does this person make your life safer? Do they create secure bonding, secure attachment? Are they there for you? Are they reliable? Are they loyal, if that's what you're seeking? Are they committed? Do they value you and prioritize your needs? Do they make the relationship the priority? Do they make you the priority? Um, These are some really good questions. Do they have empathy? This is a huge one. Sometimes people who have been abused will attract narcissists, classic narcissists, and also sociopaths, (laughs) and also psychopaths. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
so true. I'm laughing because it's just like, yeah, yeah. Santa is yeah. quiet, but we know you're in there. I know you're in there. Have we all been there? <laughs> yes. So. Yes. <laughs> yes, I said. The well, Zoom thing is question. funny. Uh-huh. So to what finish. No, I, I just, I love that you says questions like, do, are they, um, do they value you? Is there a secure bonding? Do they have secure attachment? Like those are key. And it, it's not about like how much money do they make or um, how do they look or how, how do we look together? Or do we like the same things? Like, I just think that people's um, values and what they're looking at in dating is so skewed. Um, it's, it's like they're getting trapped with like the bright shiny object syndrome and they're not really looking at what does it require to have like a long-lasting partnership or create a family a healthy family a healthy relationship with someone and you know it yeah i just think what you were sharing so briefly was just extremely key so listeners i hope you're taking notes here and I'm going to definitely take notes after this and like pause and rewind and <laughs> write it up and share it. Thank you, Isa. It was really powerful. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be re-listening to this because this was too good. And I'm going to be sharing it with everyone. And I'm going to be sending some people to you, Isa. <laughs> Thank you, Satya. And, and just remember, I just want to remind everyone, um, including myself and and all us here, um, is that you know every tiny shift that you make, every tiny movement that you make toward uh, and that we make toward thinking about this, increasing our awareness, um, starting where we are and just making little steps forward. Anything that we can do is sending out a ripple to every person you know. And it's sending out a ripple to the entire world and the healing of the entire planet and the earth. And also your legacy, anyone who has children, anything that you do toward the toward you know increasing these these awarenesses or loving yourself this is going to heal your children and your children's children so i just wanted to take that moment just to remind us all of that and um and to be just i'm so thankful to 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 you too and and everyone willing to listen and yeah so thank you it's sacred work. Yes. Thank you, Isa. Yeah. Thank you both. And I just want to say blessings to everyone listening that um, this touches you and supports you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to learn more about Isa and maybe get a, a session with her, you can find out more at isalaramarie.com. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope you'll stay tuned for our next episode. Take care. Bye. 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 Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us, you can find us at lovesexagenda.com. That's lovesexagenda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Love Sex and the Hidden Agenda. Bye.
Chau.